and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made.
I said, I think, in the very first message in this series that we all have a sense that we should pray and that we want to connect with God through prayer, but we also have a sense that we don't do it very well sometimes, that we struggle to pray. We don't know what to pray for or we don't know how to pray for it. And so I hope as we move through this time that, that we all can take our prayer life to the next level. And one way to help us do that is what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, we need to make our prayer more multidimensional, multifaceted, uh, if you will. Um, I think too often our prayer life becomes very one-dimensional. And it's centered around what I need and what I want. Or what those around me need or want. Needs and wants. Just think about the prayers that we have said to God over this past week. How many of them were focused around needs and wants? Look at our prayer list. A lot of people have prayer lists in their Bibles or somewhere, and if you look at the prayer list, it's primarily needs and wants. And there's certainly nothing wrong with praying for needs and wants. Don't get the wrong idea here. But if that is the sum total of your prayer life, praying for needs and wants, then you're missing out on the many other facets of prayer. And so this morning I want to talk to you about praying in five dimensions. Praying in five dimensions. Because it's not enough to pray for what we need and want. Think about your own relationships. I, I think about my relationship with my kids, my daughters. What if the only time my daughters ever spoke to me is when they needed something or wanted something? The rest of the time they ignored me. Would I be okay with that? Not really. We had a spell there during those early teen years, <laughs> little, little, uh, where it kind of came to that. You know, it's like the only time I would hear <laughs> from her really is when she needed or wanted something. And as soon as she would walk up to me with that sweet voice of hers and say, Dad, my response was, how much do you need? <laughs> and most of the time, that's what she was coming for. She needed or wanted something. But how nice it is as the relationship grows and, and they talk to me just to talk to me. And, and we have more dimensions, more facets of our relationship than we did then. And, and don't you think God might feel the same way? The only time I hear from my kids <laughs> is when they need something or want something. It would be nice if there was more to our time together in prayer than that. So the first dimension I want to share with you is that when we pray, we should look backwards to the cross. We're going to look back to the cross. And when I look back at the cross, there are three things that this represents to me. And that it calls to mind. So as I begin my prayer time, I have these things on my mind. The first one is, when I look back to the cross, it reminds me just how much God loves me. 
You know, many of us have struggled at times in our life with feelings of low self-esteem and self-worth, and we wonder how lovable we really are and who really loves us. And especially, does God really love me? Does he really care about me? When my life gets hard and messy, does God really love me? And when I look back at the cross, I know the answer to that question is yes. There's no other reason Jesus would have died on that cross except that he loved me. The second thing it represents is how much my sin cost him. How much my sin cost him. I lose sight of that sometimes. I I think as Christians, you know, we make things too simple and too easy. When I was growing up as a kid, it's like every time you do something wrong, all you have to do is ask God to forgive you and he forgives you. I thought, well, that's great. Wish mom and dad would do that. So I'd, I'd do something wrong and I'd say, oh, God, sorry, forgive me. Got that taken care of. <laughs> 30 minutes later, I'm doing something wrong again. Oh, hey, God. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Pretty soon it's just, hey, God, ditto. You know, I screwed up, need forgiveness. And, and that is just really taking too lightly the cross. And as I grew up, I began to realize, you know, my sin was costly. And when you see something like the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and you realize just how horrific the the crucifixion was, you think, I did that. We all did that. Our sin did that to him. And I need to be mindful of that. The cross reminds me how much God loves me, how costly my sin is, and the third thing is just how completely I am forgiven. How completely I am forgiven. We struggle with complete forgiveness in our human relationships, don't we? I mean, you know, you, you do something and you go to the person go, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, I screwed up and I hope you'll forgive me. Oh yeah, don't give it a second thought. It's It's over. But then later in the relationship, things aren't working out, and you wonder what's going on, and they go, well, that thing you did last month, it just really bugs me. Well, I thought we got past that. I thought you forgave me for that. But see, they really hadn't. And we wonder if God's that way. Does God kind of say he forgives us today, but then maybe next week he's going to hold that against me? No, he doesn't. What we struggle with, God achieves completely. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he cast our sins from us. He talks about him casting our sins into the depth of the deep, never to be seen again. So one dimension of prayer needs to be looking back to the cross to know how much God loves me, how costly my sin is, and how completely I am forgiven. And that, that gives me a whole different mindset as I as I come to him in prayer so we look back to the cross the next thing we need to do the second dimension of prayer is to look up to our heavenly father look up to our heavenly father in the old testament god comes across as rather unapproachable doesn't he 
I mean, anytime it talks about the presence of God, it's veiled in smoke and fire. And when God's presence was on Mount Sinai, God told Moses, he said, you better go back down and you better get some of that yellow police tape and you better put a do not cross line all the way around this mountain because if they set foot on this mountain while I am on this mountain, they will die. Their sinful human nature will just perish because of my utter holiness and righteousness. That's not a real approachable God, is it? It's a God that's constantly going, keep back, stay back, don't get too close. But that's the way it had to be because of our sinfulness. I, I kind of understand it better through my experience in the Boy Scouts. I had a scoutmaster when I was growing up named Albert Frigi. And Albert Frigi was an Armenian man. And he had kind of a serious nature. He was one of these people that even when he was completely happy, you'd never know it. He had that just kind of straight-faced, almost stern look about him all the time. And he had kind of a deep voice. And I would hear across the room, Roger, come here. You almost thought, yes, Lord? I mean, I mean, you really did. And, and, and I would always, I was afraid of the man. I mean, he just was intimidating to like an 11 or 12-year-old boy. But as I got to know Alfredi, I came to understand that he was one of the kindest, most caring men I knew. I mean, he just poured himself out into the boys in our scout troop. He shepherded me all through the, the different ranks and the merit badges and made sure I had told him early on, I want to be an Eagle Scout, and I will not stop till I become an Eagle Scout. And he got me to be an Eagle Scout. And as I think about Alfredi, I think, isn't that how the Bible kind of portrays God? On the one hand, when you don't know him, He's kind of stern and distant and unapproachable. But once you truly know his nature, you can walk up to him freely and talk to him. I saw him years later. I'm an adult. Uh, he, he's part of my home church, Ben Davis Christian Church in Indianapolis. And I, we went back for a visit uh, at that church. I hadn't been there in probably 20 years. But there was Al Frigi wasn't nearly as intimidating as he used to be. He was just a kindly man. Still had kind of that look about him. But I knew to look past the look to what was in his heart. And God wants us to know the same. That's why in the Old Testament, he's kind of a stern, distant, unapproachable God. But when Jesus came, he said, let's look at another side of God. Let me show you a God who loves you and who desires to be in a relationship with you and who went so far as to divest himself of the glory of heaven and, and pour himself out into me to come down here to relate to you. And so when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus said, and when you pray, pray like this. O thou beneficent, majestic God, 
Thou of majesty, thou king of kings and lord of lords. He, he didn't do that, did he? No. You could have. All that's true. And that's how God's people kind of learned to pray in the Old Testament. To address his majesty, his power, his righteousness, his holiness. But in the New Testament, the, the way Jesus is trying to show us God's nature, he said, and when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Now that doesn't knock our socks off, but I bet it did theirs. I bet the disciples, you know, they were taking notes. They pulled out their, okay, Lord, teach us to pray, Okay. And he said, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven. Okay, are, are you sure? I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's really personal. I mean, that's familial. That's, that's like you'd address somebody in your family. We, we can't talk to God like that. Come on, what do, we, what do we say? Our Father in heaven. And if that didn't blow their mind, he would go on to say uh, that you can call him Abba. Now, Abba is not the Swedish rock group featured Mamma Mia. Well, it is. But, I mean, that's not what Jesus was referring to. Abba was the Aramaic term. That's the language Jesus spoke. It was the Aramaic term for daddy. And he would say, you can refer to God as daddy. How personal is that? In Romans 8, 15, and 16, Paul writes this. He said, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That's an amazing scripture. And it lets us see the other side of God. And this is the God that we approach in prayer. Not the Old Testament God of fire and smoke, but the New Testament God who seeks to be our Father in heaven. And it changes the way we pray when we understand that. So we, we look back to the cross we look up to our Father in heaven. The third dimension is that we need to look within to the living presence of Christ within us. I hope you know that as a, as a Christian, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, that you have the living presence of Christ in you. Not just with you, but in you. When Peter preached in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost and, and they were convicted by that message, they all said, well, what do we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. That was an amazing thing. Not only will God forgive you, and give you eternal salvation, but he will come and take up residence in you. He will become an abiding, living presence in you. That's why when 
when Jesus' disciples got distraught about the fact that he kept saying, I'm going to go. I've got to go. I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going back to my Father in heaven. And, and they said, we don't want you to leave. And he said, oh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because while I'm here, I can only be here. I can't be over there, and I can't be over there. I can only be here. But once I go back to the Father and you receive the Spirit, I'm going to be everywhere. I could be with every single one who believes in me simultaneously when I'm not bound by this physical limitation of a body. And so he lives within us. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, one of the things that means is that he, he asks us to look at our lives and see what kind of environment we are providing for him to live in. Look at 2 Corinthians 13.5. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? And King David in Psalm 139, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So think of it this way. You, you are a single person living alone, and you're finding it hard to keep up with the bills. You know, the, the rent, the utilities, all the expenses. And, and so you decide to take in a roommate. And you find somebody that you feel like you'll be compatible with, and you invite them. They're going to come in. You're going to share expenses, and everything will be great. But while you were living alone, you became rather slobby in your lifestyle you 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 would kind of throw clothes everywhere and you would leave the pizza boxes on the coffee table and you'd have the dirty dishes scattered throughout wherever you were done eating you just left them and and things were rather messy and this roommate comes in are they going to be happy with that, that they are moving in? And you say, well, just put your stuff wherever you can find a place. Um, no, probably what you're going to have to do, if you're going to take in a roommate, you're going to have to say, I need to clean things up a bit. I need to organize a bit because it's not just my space anymore. This is all going to be shared space. So you're going to kind of have to pick things up. You're going to have to put things away. You're going to have to be a little more organized about the way you live your life. And that's how I'd kind of like us to view what Paul is saying. He said, examine yourselves. You've invited Jesus into your life. He's your new roommate. But perhaps the life I've invited him into isn't a very good environment for him. Maybe there's some sinful habits. Maybe there's some um, things in my life, the way that I do things in the way that I talk to people and the way I relate to others that, that aren't appropriate for one with the presence of Christ. And so I begin to make some changes. I begin to clean some things up, throw some things out. The Apostle Paul put it in terms of changing your clothes. He said, you know, when you come to Christ, there are things you need to take off and there are things you need to put on. And part of 
of my prayer should be what David prayed. Search me, O God. Test me. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You're inviting him to be an active part of your life and how you live that life. And the decisions you make about your life are no longer just based on what you think or what you want. But you take into consideration the one who lives with you, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you look backward to the cross. You look upward to our Father in heaven. You look inward to the living presence of Christ in you. And then the fourth thing, the fourth dimension of prayer is that you need to look around you to how God might use you. What people are in your life that need you? That need you to be involved in some way in their life? What difference could you make if you became involved in their life? Now, we're all a little hesitant to do this because it gets messy, doesn't it? Sometimes when you try to get involved in someone else's situation and someone else's life, it gets messy. And we'd just kind of rather not do that. But the Christ who is within me did that. <laughs> he got down into the messiness of our world and interacted with people that no one else wanted to interact with and do things with people no one else wanted to do. And that's what he calls us to do. What people do I know that God could use me to make a difference in their life? What situations are around me that I could change for the better? Don't say, how do you want to use me, Lord, if you don't intend to be used? Don't say, Lord, how can I be involved in the lives of others if you don't intend to be involved in the lives of others? Because he will answer that prayer and he will point you in those directions and he will put you in those situations and he will bring those people into your life and you'll be going, why is this happening? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I prayed that. Look back to the cross. Look up to our Father in heaven. Look into the living presence of Christ within you. Look around you to how God may use you. And the fifth dimension, now that, that was a pop group, wasn't it? Up, up, and away in my beautiful balloon. Wasn't that, that the fifth dimension? Yeah. We just dated ourselves. Because uh, all the young people out here are going, who's the fifth dimension? We don't know what that is. But the fifth dimension... <laughs> A prayer is something that we don't want to leave out. And that is to look forward with faith. You don't want to just look back. You want to look forward with faith. You know, we always hear this idea that as Christians, we are a work in progress. You know, Christians under construction. Sometimes I feel like my life is like 22nd Street here in Elwood. <laughs> I hate to be the one to bring this to you. You will never drive on 22nd Street again. <laughs> never. 
for the rest of your natural life. There will be barricades and orange barrels on 22nd Street, and red gold trucks will drive down this road beside the church and rumble our stained glass windows. I hope the mayor doesn't listen to this. Does the mayor? Does the mayor? Uh, surely he's, he's not listening to this, so I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> doesn't it feel kind of like that? That, boy, they're never going to get that done. Um, they will. Sometime in my lifetime. And I feel like that about my life. It's like, God, it seems like you've been working on me forever. I've been a Christian for uh, you know, 50 years. Haven't you got it done yet? <laughs> and of course, God's looking at me saying, I'm not the problem. <laughs> Nothing wrong with my work. <laughs> it's the level of cooperation I'm getting here that is slowing down the project. And the truth is that I will always be a work under construction until the day that I enter into God's eternal kingdom and he can finally look at me and go, now that's what I was looking for. That's what I intended from the moment you were born. That is what I created you for. It's about time. You know, that's, that's what he's going to say. Uh, let me tell you what Paul says. Paul says, this is Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is confident that you will be completed, even Mike Moon. Mike Moon will be completed someday by the grace of God. And so will you. And so will I. And as a dimension of prayer, I need to look forward to my future, not focus, oh boy, look at this. This situation could go bad. Uh, that's not looking good. I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. There's so much uncertainty and fear when I look to the future. But that's not how I want to look to the future. When I pray about the future, what I need to do is see it through the eyes of faith. And that someday, everything is going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. All the wrong will be made right. All the broken will be fixed. All the things that need to be completed will be completed in Christ Jesus. Praying in five dimensions. Look back to the cross. Look up to our Father in heaven. Look into the living presence of Christ within you. Look around to how God might use you and look forward in faith. That, my friends, will change the way you pray. So let us pray. Father, I am so grateful. For the cross, I am so grateful that you love us, that you forgive us completely, even though our sins cost you so much. Father, I thank you that you have opened the way for us to relate to you. You're not a distant God anymore. 
that you are a God who lives right here in my heart. And I pray that your presence will be more fully abiding in me. Lord, I pray that you use us. We don't just come to church here to worship, to be a church family, to enjoy ourselves in your presence. We come to be prepared to serve. We know the moment we walk out these doors, we enter a sinful world, a world that is lost and dying in sin, a world that desperately needs the light of Jesus. May we be that light. And Father, the future can be so scary. But I pray that when we look ahead, we will see only the potential and the possibility for what you are going to do. May we trust. The essence of faith is to trust. And I pray that we will trust that you will complete the work that you have begun in us. And we pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, everything I've just shared with you about praying in five dimensions is not possible if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's just not going to happen. Because this kind of praying, this kind of talking to God can only be done by one who has a relationship with him, who has entered into that relationship through Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you don't have that, I'm going to invite you to come. It would be my great joy to receive you, to welcome you, to pray with you, to lead you in what we call a confession of faith, which is simply stating that I truly believe in Jesus as my Savior, and I accept him. We'll arrange for your baptism, and you can begin to understand the multifaceted nature of our God and of prayer and of faith. I invite you to come. As we stand together, we're going to sing hymn number 35, verses 1 and 3. Oh, no.